Welcome to the Stainless Souls Podcast, brought to you by the Realization of Stainless Souls, a come-as-you-are church of recovery and discovery. Today is episode seven, Death. What is dying? What is living? I am your host, Bob Hobbs. Is death bad? Is death the final separation between two human beings who love each other? Is death a loss? We envision a series of talks where we would talk about death. However, some recent experiences in real time necessitate that we bring up death now a little bit early and prior to a large portion of the philosophy that we want to try to share with you is brought forth. So some of the contents of this topic might be a little premature based on the foundation that we have so far built up philosophically. But regardless of where we are in the curriculum or in the teachings, life still happens. Losses still happen. And it can be hard to lose somebody. And very often when a person close to us dies, we begin to question all of the things we've been taught in our life. We question the validity of God, validity of fairness, the validity of salvation, forgiveness. Often we face the prospect of our own death and we wonder what death will mean to us when that time comes. And then many of us, me for example, will push away the thoughts of the inevitable ending of our presence in the body that we occupy and try to pretend that perhaps one day the fountain of youth will be found That's not how it works. The Tibetan Buddhists teach that death will come for each of us as surely as we draw the next breath into our body. Death will come. And we do not get to choose the moment of our death. And thirdly, When that moment comes, no one and nothing can prevent the occurrence of our death. So for all the success and prosperity and power and influence and intellectual 
influence that we believe we had through life, inevitably death will come. It will come at a time not of our choosing. And no matter what happens, we won't be able to stop it. And the Buddhist teaching goes on really to say that if you can accept that reality that you're going to die at a time not of your choosing and none of your power or accumulated wealth will be able to stop it when that time comes once you accept that as true then you can begin to explore what death might be like through meditation. And through that exploration, you can make both your living anticipation of death easier and the death experience itself, when it comes, will be familiar making that experience less stressful, less scary. If you think about the beginning of your life in this body, you had absolutely zero input, as far as you know, on the moment of your conception or where that conception took place. You did not give your consent as far as you know for who your parents would be what their demographic would be where they would live in the world even what their marital status was you had absolutely nothing to do with the origin of your life the time of your birth came without your consent and you came into this world kicking and screaming reminds me of a meme that was on Facebook not too long ago two twins were in the womb and they were having a conversation and the one twin said to the other twin do you think there's life after birth and the other twin said no man there's nothing beyond the womb this is as good as it gets. Of course, from their perspective, their death was called birth. I don't know what you might think or believe about infinity or eternity. Hopefully we can agree that it's a really long time, longer than we can imagine. And yet we are to believe in many traditions that our existence began without our consent in a time and place not of our choosing and likewise the end of our existence will occur at a time and place not of our choosing and in between those two events on average maybe 80 years of time is given to us and we become convinced and we convince ourselves that all of the meaning of our existence 
has to be packed into that time between two events that occur without our consent. Now, I want you to think about a dog owner, a loving dog owner, and I want you to think about his or her relationship with their beloved pet, the dog. From the time the dog is born as a puppy through the time that the dog becomes old and eventually dies. The entire time that that dog is alive in that dog's body, he is stuck being a dog. And the only behaviors that he can exhibit are dog behaviors. Can't be a cat, can't be a fish, can only be a dog and do dog things, whatever those are. And the dog owner loves the dog for being a dog. It would be unloving of the dog owner to punish the dog for being a dog, for doing things that dogs do. Dogs chew slippers. Dogs chew baseball gloves. Dogs tear up carpet and furniture. Dogs make messes in places where you don't want messes. But it would be an unloving act for the dog owner to punish the dog for being a dog. The loving dog owner wouldn't be considered a loving dog owner if he punished what he loved for being what he loved. We talked a few episodes ago, maybe episode three, on the basics of a higher power. And episode two? It was episode two, actually. We discussed a higher power or the basics of a higher power. And in that episode, we talked about the idea that as soon as we give God form, we try to contain God in the idea of a statue or a superhuman or a man with a beard and a staff floating in the clouds. As soon as we do that, we cognitively, in our mind, take away all of his power and all of his immortality and all of his meaning. And that would include taking away all of his love for us. But imagine a scenario, if you will, where God creates in his image what he refers to as his child and then places that child in a place not of their choosing, surrounded by people and a culture not of their choosing. And he has this child put into the world at a time of cultural and social filth 
and the child is born and then essentially not only does that child have just 80 years to figure out how to survive in that social filth but that child also has to figure out how to undo the burden of original sin in that short time of 80 years and if the child doesn't in that short time of 80 years between the moment when they were conceived without their consent and the moment where they die without their consent then they are sentenced to eternity forever in hell burning unimaginable pain for the rest of forever so I want you to think about that for a moment a loving God creates a child in his or her image puts them in a place where it's very difficult to survive burdens them with something called original sin takes them out of that place at a time without their consent and in between they have to figure it all out or else they have to burn in hell forever not even a dog owner not even a poor dog owner would treat their pet that way and I think that it's unbelievable unimaginable not credible to think that a loving God who created us with love to be a part of his or her creation would put us in such a situation where it is more likely that we be damned than saved. So is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that a great many of us fear death? We fear death because we recognize, based on our concepts, based on our perceptions, at least here in the West, that death is more likely to result in eternal suffering than eternal salvation. But just because that's what we recognize or perceive to be true does not make it so. And I think I've come to the conclusion myself personally that that whole teaching, that whole philosophy of one single 80-year period in between two major events that happen without your consent is all you get in order to figure it out before you're damned for all time. Most of the atheists that I know were not always atheists. They were at one time believers. And if you've ever spoken with an atheist, you know that they are quite intelligent. And I think that they came to the conclusion, just like I did, that it is completely illogical to think that a loving God would create a being that it loves, put it in a very difficult situation, and if it failed in that situation, burn it for all time. The difference between an atheist and me 
is where they decided that it's so illogical that the God of their previous understanding cannot exist. And then one step further, therefore there is no God. In my case, my view, my understanding, my comprehension of God was modified quite a bit, actually. But it's still the same God of my childhood, just expanded into infinity and across all eternity. So you can't really have a conversation like this without talking about, well, then what's the purpose? What is life about? Why was I created? Why am I here at this time in this place? And at the beginning of this talk, we said that it was a little premature to have this talk because all of that foundational or fundamental philosophy hasn't been taught yet. I think one of the first questions to ask is, are you immortal or not? And if you are a believer in a heaven or a hell, then you believe that you are immortal. If you are immortal, then you have to consider the time of your birth a little more deeply perhaps than you ever have before. And you have to ask yourself, did I begin to exist at my conception or at some other time? And then you have to compare that to immortality. Immortality suggests always have been, always will be. And if you really contemplate it, I think you'll find that it's tough to say that for me, 1966 was the beginning of my existence and yet I'm immortal. So I've come to believe that immortality means that I existed prior to 1966. And for those of you who want to get technical, prior to 1965 when I was conceived. But as what? Who? Where? Why? And again, those are many, many talks that we are bound to have as Stainless Souls continues to grow and publish its philosophy. But those are all very valid questions, very valid ideas that merit a great deal of contemplation on your part, on all of our parts. The best place for all of those types of questions is on a meditation cushion over and over and over again on a meditation cushion. So for a moment, assume that you are immortal. And likewise, assume that since you are immortal, your beginning did not happen when you were conceived. It happened an eternity ago.
What then is life? You might want to consider a bunch of souls hanging around with the ultimate, the absolute, at some point in eternity. Maybe similar to you hanging out with some of your friends. And, you know, after a weekend away with your friends or a week away with your friends on vacation, you start to look for other things to do. And I don't want to say because you were bored, and I don't want to say because the souls who were with the absolute were bored, but entertainment and engagement is engaging and being engaged and being challenged to grow is beneficial. It's worthwhile. And I think very similarly to you and your friends hanging out for a week and looking for something to do, ultimately you come up with something to do, maybe many things to do. And perhaps for the purposes of education and entertainment, the souls got together with the absolute and said, hey, let's, you know, let's create another dimension where we can pursue all of the things that exist in that dimension. And we'll use all of our skills and talents that we gain through the course of eternity to capture as many of those things in that dimension that we can. And we'll just call that dimension the physical dimension or the material dimension. And the absolute agrees with the souls and goes ahead and there's a creation of a physical dimension or a material dimension and souls come in and begin using their skills and talents and intellects to gain material and physical objects, achievements, accomplishments, what have you. Because it's fun. It's a challenge. And in a single manifestation of a soul into the material or into the physical dimension... They may not have gotten everything that they wanted to, or they may have made mistakes and they wanted to go back and correct those mistakes, or they wanted a different skill set or a different superpower or a different resource, if you think about it as a video game. And one manifestation or incarnation would end, and they'd come back and reflect on that incarnation and then decide, this next incarnation I'm going to pursue something else in a different way. And the whole time, the ultimate soul, along with the absolute, consider the existence in the physical realm as a gift from the absolute to his beloved souls so that they can go and experience all the things of this dimension in a very safe and sound way where they remain, no matter what, incorruptible, invulnerable, immortal, and stainless. In other words, life in the physical and the material dimension is just a game. It's just educational entertainment 
for immortal souls under the guidance of the Absolute Spirit. That runs counter to virtually every tradition in the West. And it may seem perhaps blasphemous or too mystical, too metaphysical, too far out. But I think if you would sit in meditation long enough and repetitively, you'll begin to recognize the truth about yourself and about creation. So in the first few iterations of the game, the absolute had to set up some rules to make sure that the game was fair for all who decided to participate. And so he implemented some laws, such as the law of cause and effect, where everything that you do in the game is a cause that has an effect that balances out the cause. If you cheat, you have to make it up. And if you help someone along in the game, you should get a reward. And so over the eons, the game became one where souls would come into the world to pursue the things that they desire in the material world. And these things only exist in the material dimension, obviously. And in order to pursue something in the material dimension, you have to have a form, you have to have a body. And in order to participate in the material and the physical, you have to be able to sense what's happening. You have to be able to see, hear, feel, smell, taste, etc. Essentially, the soul has to put on a suit of clothes so that it can experience the physical. That suit of clothes is known as a body. The body that you have now, it allows you to participate in and play the game. And again, the soul's purpose is to acquire the desires that it can only acquire in the material and physical world. Things such as love, sex, objects, wealth, and a variety of experiences. And quite naturally, because the game is being played by many people simultaneously, there are interactions between people. Some of those interactions are mutually beneficial and some of them are not mutually beneficial. All of them contribute to the cause and effect. So it's said that a soul will continue to come back into the material and physical dimension until all of its desires have been met. And once all of its desires are met, it won't come back anymore. It won't want to come back anymore. The problem with that is that throughout all of the lifetimes that it was pursuing whatever these desires were, It was generating a list of causes and effects. And all of those may not be balanced yet. So the soul who has achieved all of its desires will have to incarnate into another body as many times as it takes to balance out the ledger or the balance sheet of causes and effects. Then, at that point in time when all the desires have been met, and the cause and effect ledger has been balanced, 
the soul no longer has to come back and take on a body and play the game. It has a choice to come back, but it's not required to come back. And at that point, it'll be right back where it started, hanging out with a bunch of other souls with the absolute. So as far as this particular talk goes, which is about death, I think what you'll find through meditation and continued contemplation on topics such as what is life and what is death, that death is simply nothing more than the soul which is incorruptible, invulnerable, immortal, and stainless, leaving the suit of clothes or the body that it occupied during the incarnation that it started in order to achieve something or accumulate something or to work out its balance sheet of causes and effects. And once that soul leaves the body, it returns to a resting place where it can evaluate the most recent experience inside the game along with all the other instances of the game that it has played to date and it can decide what it wants to do next it may decide it's time to start working out cause and effect and maybe it'll go to the absolute and say hey I really want to work out some of my debts here Um, what can I do in order to work out some of these debts and the absolutes might say something like well you know these two people over here they're going to play their next instance of the game as a couple and they've had some experiences where in previous times where they played the game they were quite unfair to an individual who had learning disabilities they bullied this person and so they've agreed to work out some of their cause and effect ledger by being the parent of a person with learning disabilities so i'm looking for a soul who wants to work out some issues by going back into the game with learning disabilities and then the soul might say well hey how much how much of my ledger can i clean up if i go back in with them as their child with a learning disability and the absolute will give them a value and then at that point the three of them will agree and decide to go back in and the couple will go in at one point and then 18 to 35 years later in earth time the soul the object of our conversation will go back in as a as their child with learning disabilities and then the three of them in that instance of the game or that lifetime or that incarnation however you want to refer to it will work out a significant part of their balance sheet and then at the end of that instance the end of that lifetime they'll be on vacation again in between the material world and the absolute and they'll evaluate what they want to do the next time if there has to be one or not, and if there does, what, they, what they're going to do. So the suffering of an individual that we witness or experience 
is serving a very, very important pur purpose for that individual and likely for other individuals around him or her. Suffering is never in vain. Suffering is either a voluntary, volunta voluntary assignment to help yourself and your ledger or somebody else and their ledger of cause and effects, or it is the absolute calling out to you and making an invitation to you through your reaction to that suffering to join him or her in some important cause that will have some important effect on your existence in all eternity. God doesn't deal with our prayers within a single lifetime. God provides us with that which we need in eternity. What is in the best interest of this soul right now relative to their place in eternity and what they're trying to do in eternity? Regardless of how you think about this talk today, as has been mentioned in other talks, don't take our word for anything. We're not preaching a dogma. You don't have to believe anything to be a part of Stainless Souls. We challenge you through meditation to find your own truth about life, about death, about living, about dying. The only thing that we ask you to consider believing to be true is that which we are founded on, which is no matter what you've done or failed to do, no matter how badly you feel about yourself or anyone else, no matter what you've said about God or yourself or anyone else, the truth remains. You are an incorruptible, invulnerable, immortal, and stainless soul. And so is every one of us. God bless you all.